0: So m- Miraz, are we going to call him Miraz or Miraz? M- miraz. Miraz. Yeah, like, sure. like the singer?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Miraz. He doesn't have the I. He's just m Are we
1: recording right now? This yeah. is, this is like This is good content that you're completely messing if we're what not recording.
0: What about Prismia. To a special after dinner edition of Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter. And today we are discussing chapter four of Prince Caspian. This chapter is titled The Dwarf Tells of Prince Caspian. And uh, that's the name of the chapter. I am Tarva, the Lord of Victory, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host.
1: I'm Dr. Cornelius.
0: Dr. Cornelius. Mm -hmm.
1: Special guest, also known as Chris. Hello, welcome. Mm -hmm. Um, Listeners, I'm just going to pull the curtain back a little bit there. Sometimes when I do these things and I have like an elaborate uh, character intro or like, you know, I go on a little bit long with my introduction, Kristen looks at me with almost like a concerned expression, like trying to cue me to say my name is Chris I
0: just, I don't understand why you're telling everybody what my face looks like or you're not even telling people what my face looks like
1: you're because your face is pretty and whatever I don't know
0: <laughs> but then tell people that Kristen you don't have to keep staring at me <sighs> like I'm crazy I don't actually think I'm dr Cornelius some days <laughs> that's true that's true. <laughs> Some day di- some days you think you're a half dwarf, half yeah. human, who can just teach me about conjunctions in the sky.
1: Yeah, those are my bad self esteem days.
0: oh no, I'm sad. A... You've been doing it a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought you were just trying to make life happier for us.
1: Yes. <laughs> Anyway, would you like to go ahead and jump into our... You know, well, we're not finished with the intro yet. We, Oh, no. We are.
0: Who said what? <laughs>
1: the last 20 seconds, gone. <laughs> anyway, would you like to go ahead and jump into our summary, Kristen?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as we uh, read through these chapters, we like to uh, do a summary of the chapter by pulling five sentences out of the chapter. And just retell the story of the chapter in its own words. So... For this chapter, I will begin, and then Chris will do his summary next. Go for it. His father and mother were dead, and the person whom Caspian loved best was his nurse. And though, being a prince, he had wonderful toys which would do almost anything but talk, he liked best the last hour of the day when the toys had all been put back in their cupboards and nurse would tell him stories. Next day Caspian found what a terrible thing he had done, for Nurse had been sent away without even being allowed to say goodbye to him, and he was told he was to have a tutor. All you have heard about old Narnia is true. But secondly, for this, that when you become king you may help us, for I know that you also tell him tell tel- tel- Marine. For I know that you also, Telmarine though you are, love the old things. Your kings are in deadly fear of the sea because they can never quite forget that in all stories Aslan comes from over the sea.
1: Cool. I think we had one sentence in common there. It's that awkward sentence that I struggled with as well because the wording is kind of weird. But we'll get there and see if I can, you know, successfully do it.
0: All right. All right.
1: My summary is as follows. Prince Caspian lived in a great castle in the center of Narnia with his uncle Miraz, the king of Narnia, and his aunt who had red hair and was called Queen Prunaprismia. It was your highness's ancestor, Caspian I, said Dr. Cornelius, who first conquered Narnia and made it his kingdom. He felt sure that Dr. Cornelius would not have said so much unless he meant to tell him more sooner or later. It is you Telmarines who silenced the beasts and the trees and the fountains and who killed and drove away the dwarves and fawns and are now trying to cover up even the memory of them. But secondly for this, that when you become king, you may help us, for I know that you also, Telmarine though you are, love the old things.
0: There you go. So, I
1: both had kind of a similar summary there um i
0: mean given we read the same chapter it's crazy it's it's Uh, weird that things would go that way uh
1: you know listeners so as you have probably sussed out by now the uh general idea of this chapter is hey it's a continuation of the last chapter chapter three the dwarf is telling a story this is the story the dwarf tells this might be the most apt chapter title lewis has ever given
0: however (laughs) it's not because this is not the story as the dwarf told it this is the story as lewis i mean it's a frame story Yes, but Lewis is like, he told the story as follows. Mm -hmm. I'm also not going to use his words and put in all the interruptions of the kids. I'm just going to tell you the story. Yeah. So he took the power of the narrative away from the Narnian and into his white conquering hands and decided that he was going to tell the story about how this one noble half dwarf came into the kingdom to convince the white king that he could, in fact, you know, come and rescue the old Narnians because they needed a champion. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. What? what chapter did you read?
1: Well, This is why we don't do this after dark. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that's what happens in this chapter. Um, and we have a lot of things that we can discuss, I think, because we learn quite a bit about the greater world of Narnia and the history therein. Um,
0: At least the history since the kings and queens Lucy edmund peter and susan left
1: mm-hmm. so now we have another protagonist uh i would argue
0: your your favorite character
1: uh no not my favorite character <laughs> i would argue fourth main character in a row like we're you know hitting this note in every book protagonist who doesn't have parents like oh Caspian. yeah so this is this is the running theme we don't really deviate from that Like, it was the same thing for Diggory, really, realistically. Uh, I mean,
0: he had parents, but one was away and one was sick.
1: Yeah, the Pevensies' parents don't show up. Shasta, obviously, you know, finds his father, but his parents aren't a factor for most of the story. And now we have Caspian, whose parents we're not even going to deal with because they're just dead. They're gone. Don't even have to have a question of... His father
0: and mother were dead.
1: Don't have to have a question of who his parents were or how they factor into the story. He's it's, not going to.
0: It's funny because while we've been talking about how C.S. Lewis is actually um, Charles Dickens, uh-huh. this made me think of the Marleys were dead to begin with. <laughs> uh-huh. Like that was the first thing that went through my head when I read his father and mother were dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah. And the Marleys were dead to begin with. Yeah.
1: What are you going to do? Uh, and he's being raised by his uncle, who, you know, is presumably the king of Narnia and his hard to pronounce wife. Yep um <laughs>
0: Prunaprismia. Yep. it's a beautiful name uh, also she's a redhead
1: yep reminds you should me learn her name i should shouldn't i it mm-hmm. uh, reminds me of a flower uh i did look both of those names up for any kind of like etymology or meaning behind them nothing
0: mm-hmm. they
1: only show up in this book which i thought was interesting because like pruniprismia really sounds like some sort of flower or like it does scientific name for a plant or something yeah but nope um yeah, so he's being raised by his aunt and uncle. Uh, and book starts out with, like, this little scene between him and his uncle that kind of tells us what kind of person Mraz is. And he's a very, uh, he's a hard man. He's, uh, you know, he's very stern and very, uh, I don't he's know. He's
0: the kind of person who doesn't look at children when they're talking to him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's the most important one there. He, he's got things to say. Obviously, this kid is going to grow up to be king.
0: Yeah, and I, you'd think that he might put a little more effort into personally training this kid if this kid is going to be the king after him because he has no heirs of his own. Yeah. Poor Prunaprismia couldn't have any babies, apparently.
1: Yeah, and her value as a woman is lost. Um. <laughs> <But>
0: <laughs> she makes up for it in her name.
1: Apparently. Uh, and he doesn't really like either his uh, aunt or uncle, and he is most fond of the nurse, his nurse, apparently, who never gets a name. She is yep. just Nurse with a capital N, Yep. which is interesting. And the nurse is a person that tells him stories.
0: Yes, she tells him stories mm-hmm. about old Narnia, about talking beasts, about Aslan. Uh-huh. You know, the Pevensies mm-hmm. as the kings and queens.
1: The true history of Narnia. Yes. Which Meraz... Not into that at all. No, he's, absolutely. Uh, he's and not his, cool with this. When
0: he hears that Caspian is being told these stories, he immediately sends the nurse away that night, that yeah. very night. Like, just you're gone. Don't tell him these stories.
1: Which I means she doesn't like get executed or anything. So that's a, that's like a good thing. Like he's that not... we
0: know of. She probably got <laughs> sent off to the ghost woods. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have you ever been sent off to the ghost woods, Kristen?
0: I don't like to talk about it. Oh, Chris. I, for, I forgot. I, I told you not to bring this up. I'm
1: sorry for bringing up your trauma on the podcast again. We'll, we'll cut all this out and post. Anyway. <laughs> so she tells him the story, the true history of Narnia, what's your father, uh, his father, not into at all. Uh, you know, there's a Who's really... Who's father? Uh, uncle, sorry. Okay. His fa- like, stan- stand-in father figure. And there's this really great line in here where Caspian says... And so they reigned forever so long and everyone had a lovely time and it was all because of Aslan. Who's he? said Miraz. And if Caspian had been a very little older, the tone of his uncle's voice would have warned him that it would be wiser to shut up. Yeah. And I identified with Caspian in this moment because, um, you know, I'm, I'm 30 and I still have these moments where, <laughs> you know, people say things to me in tones it seems like, you know, would make it wise for me to shut up and I don't do it. Um Who's he? Who (laughs) is (sighs) she? Christina, you don't make her listeners think that we have marital (laughs) issues. We have a we have a very happy marriage, I promise. (laughs) Um and and so yeah, Maraz shuts that stuff down right away. Nurse he spills the beans that she's the one telling these stories. Next day she's gone. Not gonna have any of this nonsense in the castle. And then we have a new tutor come in because it's not time only for- is it
0: nonsense and you use that word I wrote it down specifically because Miraz calls it nonsense, mm-hmm. he calls it nonsense for babies. Yeah. Which specifically stood out to me just because I have young nephews and niece that use the word nonsense as just a general term for silliness. As kids, they de- they describe things as nonsense, and it makes me laugh.
1: Which is weird. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's this nonsense? Uh-huh. When the oldest one was about four, he would say things like that. Yeah. What's all this nonsense, auntie?
1: I feel like they're old enough to start using that weird Gen Z slang that I don't know anything about. But what? What a What's the Gen Z word for nonsense? Can I bring up the uh, no online cat. translator? Like. <laughs> You're dating yourself so hard here. What? Um, Anyway, so it's time for Caspian to start being educated, and we bring in this character who's the tutor. going to be a long show, people. Um, (laughs) Bring in this character who's the tutor, and I'm really glad here. I am glad that in previous episodes we've called to attention this, you know, lifelong running issue that Lewis, as an educator, had with modern education, because I feel like it crystallizes right here in this chapter. And like everything that happens after the introduction of this tutor is just Lewis just laying into modern education.
0: I think in a way, but it's also this, Dr. Cornelius sums up everything that Lewis wanted education to be. Mm-hmm. Of the conveying from master to student yes. of a specific thing, a specific mm-hmm. topic, whether it's, you know, it's life skills. Yes. So he's teaching him about astronomy and the stars and, like, fate. And, uh-huh. and yes, he is, at, on his face value, teaching him grammar, uh-huh. but also taking him to the astronomy tower and locking the door behind them so that they could be protected and they can uh-huh. go discuss the old lore of Narnia and the mythology yes. and learn about history. Yes. Yes. And call Caspian to this higher role. So I think that this um, very much is just the ideal for Lewis, mm-hmm. where he's got a veil over the true sense of education that he wants it to yes. by wrapping it up in like. And now we're gonna discuss grammar. Please open plural plurulent- <laughs> to seek us, and dis- we're gonna go over grammar now.
1: You mean Pulverentalus Sicus in his fourth page of the Grammatical Garden or The Arbor of Accident's Pleasantry open to the tender wits?
0: Yes, that one. Okay. <laughs> you know. I thought I'd take the shortened title.
1: Man, I thought I was gonna need like three takes for that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm so impressed.
1: Got it in one. Um anyway, yeah, I think How many
0: times th- did you practice that?
1: Like once. <laughs> oh, okay. Um Yeah, uh and I think there's a very clear metaphor that unfolds here of the histories of Narnia and like the true history and, you know, Miraz the tyrant king who is trying to erase this. Oh, after
0: every other king. Like this is something that started with Caspian the Conqueror.
1: Yes. But there's this metaphor here for, I think, the true histories and the stories of old Narnia basically being spirituality. And being Christianity and being spiritual lessons.
0: See, I was going to go with Celtic mythologies (laughs) and Celtic stories.
1: Possibly. But, like, the thing that Lewis feels is missing from modern education, where they're not teaching them to be good people. They're not relaying, like, spiritual messages. They're not relaying, like, you know, the right kind of philosophy. And they're just, you know, pretending that doesn't exist in favor of, like, more modern concerns and practical things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Fighting, and you should yeah. be more interested in adventure stories, as Mara says, rather than this nonsense for babies. <laughs> uh-huh. You should be learning how to fight.
1: Yeah, apparently. Um, anyway, we meet uh, Doctor Cornelius, and he's a really interesting little guy. He has a really fun illustration in my copy of the book. He's I got a little. Like it. He did, I didn't have,
0: I didn't have an illustration yeah. for him. He's
1: got a little little overcoat and a pointy beard. He's a chubby and, guy. Yes. <laughs> And he looks like like d and D character that Kristen would play.
0: <laughs> he does. <laughs> I like yeah. the artwork in yeah. this chapter.
1: I figured you would like that. Also, I do like the artwork above that of like the the blending of like this dream sequence merged with Caspian trying to talk to the cats and dogs in the castle. Yeah, You can post a picture of that whole page on the uh, Instagram.
0: Can do. Uh,
1: so we meet Doctor Cornelius, and as you said he's coming in ostensibly to tutor the boy about all like the worldly things he needs to know about, you know, grammar and history and astronomy, because that's important, I guess. Uh, and all this stuff that one would normally learn as a noble born son, I suppose, but also gives some hints that he, that he knows what's up. Cornelius is a man on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, and he knows the real history of Narnia. And, one night apparently there's going to be a celestial event that happens yes uh, the
0: noble planets tarva and all a lamb uh-huh
1: which i did some research into that as well and tried to look up any significance between like their you know their names or titles or whatever nothing i think lewis just kind of stopped with the illusions by this point
0: i really uh, <laughs> with that said though this chapter mm-hmm. by itself as a storytelling this chapter had so much beautiful world building. Uh Uh-huh. It does. The names, the characters, the celestial event happening. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Only time in 200 years.
0: The promise of, like, greatness coming in this, like...
1: Yeah.
0: It just built it in a way that reminded me of Lord of the Rings. In this kind of, like, world building structure, fate, Uh old history being dug up. Um... Something about the name Lambil reminded me of yeah. some of the um the, a, lot the of, a lot of elf. names. Yeah. yeah, like the elven uh-huh. kind of deity structure, if you will. Yeah. Within Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. So, mm. And she, she was the Lady of Peace and Tarva's the Lord of Victory and they're saluting each other in the sky. Uh-huh. Um, which I think is also a very interesting symbol symbolism that we can get into this idea that there has been a forced peace as the Narnians have been completely cut off mm. and the humans have ignored that they exist. Yeah. And we have peace here and victory saluting her.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I think that that's interesting conjunction in the sky yes. to be the basis of the start of this, because Lewis could have chosen any two symbols he could have had this be you know the Lord of change and the lady of royalty or something you know like he could have mm. chose and I think that it's interesting that he chose the symbol of victory and peace specifically to be the symbols of the sparking of this new learning and this new and this new kingdom kind of rulership structure of what Caspian what the Narnians, in the form of Dr. Cornelius, are expecting of Caspian. So.
1: No, I get you there. It is... Uh, I was going to say this chapter does a really good job of storytelling.
0: I want all of the books to be like this chapter.
1: <laughs> Just if they could. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with any of that. Because I, I think
0: by far this is... I think this is my favorite chapter. That we've read. Of all of the books. Yeah. As an individual unit, this chapter, like... And I remember reading this chapter and liking this chapter, like the fact that they go up into the tower, the fact that he's like slowly revealed that he is not a human mm-hmm. and like the fear that like Caspian has, like all of it, just the unfolding of the history and everything. It's just like, I, I, I remembered reading this chapter mm-hmm. and this chapter is just so well written yeah, for me.
1: No, I agree. Like, if I was still rating chapters, I'd give it a pretty high one. We're not doing that, so you'll never know what my rating would be. (laughs) Ha ha! Maybe. But, yeah, this is...
0: Four and three quarters?
1: (laughs) Maybe. Uh, I think I gave one a five at some point. You did. Probably. I can't remember which chapter it was, so obviously it didn't leave a lasting impression. Um, But, yeah, this is the chapter that Lewis, like, downed half a glass of white wine and just went to town. (laughs) Ha ha! He went a little wild. Um... So, there's a celestial event, and Cornelius feels like it's important for Caspian to witness this. And like, alright, I'm going to go wake you up in the middle of the night. Come up to the tower with me. We're going to watch this stuff. Because, uh, like, you you know, you're, you'll be dead by the time it happens again.
0: Yep. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing.
1: <laughs> Worth seeing. Like the time we saw that comet. Yeah. It was fun. Um, do you remember?
0: <laughs> the <scene laughs> so, they,
1: <laughs> so, they go up to the top of the tower uh they watched this thing but this is not the main reason well it's also not even the best vantage point they would
0: have been able to see better from the lower tower
1: but he did because there were six empty rooms between the base of the tower and the roof and a locked door and there was no chance of them being overheard because cornelius was going to reveal some stuff yep and he was going to say you know it's all true the force the jedi all uh, oh sorry um (laughs) (laughs) Mm. the you know the naiads and dryads and our old narnia
0: magic witches wizards Mm -hmm. hogwarts
1: etc etc um and i think we should dwell on this a little bit uh because we reveal in in kind of in this exchange uh all about the telmarines and who these people are like they are from outside of narnia Mm -hmm. they came from beyond the western mountains Wherever that is.
0: Yeah, so we have the Eastern Sea, we have the the South, Arkenland. we have Arkenland, and Calarman. Mm-hmm. But then to the West, we've always just had Lantern Waste. Like, that's as far West as we've come so far uh-huh. within the story. And so they came from beyond the lamppost.
1: Yeah. So we established previously in lore that the uh, the Calarmanes were... Narnian rebels that fled south for some reason at some point a thousand years ago.
0: Yeah, they were um, all of the the thieves and the miscreants.
1: Yeah. So where do the Telmarines come from? It's like, they're also human. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Are they a branch of Arkanland? Like, they're just there? I don't know if we ever get an explanation for where they come from in the storyline.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, we have... We finally have in this chapter Caspian talking about to, to Dr. Cornelius and asking if he is a man, which can lead us into this conversation about whether or not the Telmarines are human. But also, apparently, dwarves and humans are compatible. Intriguing. You can have a half-human, half-dwarf in mm-hmm. Narnia. So
1: Indeed you can.
0: Where where do all of these people come from? It's a great question. Mm-hmm. But, we also had, at one point in one of the previous books the the more man-like creatures Mm -hmm. were like the more evil creatures (laughs) i think that was in magician's nephew or no no no, because that that didn't have dwarves in it yet yeah did it yeah it did yeah it did because they made all of the no it would have been in
1: i mean there's lots of references to like good dwarves no but we had
0: the conversation about the queen so it had to be in lion the witch and the wardrobe, where it was like the dwarves and the giants and the, the witch were all very close to being human and were Mm -hmm. all of questionable motives Mm -hmm. to the Narnians.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And so, yeah, anyway, that's, that's an interesting thing to go into, to remember and reflect back on for me.
1: Yeah. That's something I was going to bring up here, uh, which is completely outside the scope of the chapter, but I've always found it interesting how like Lewis paints this world. With all these mythological creatures and like all these various borrowed, you know, all this imagery and these creatures from all sorts of different myths and traditions, and you have you know the naiads and dryads and you have the centaurs and the little g gods and fauns and you have the dwarves and you have you know little lily gloves, the mole who plants orchards, (laughs) and all these things, which apparently was one of the major issues that Tolkien had with these books. Okay, is that you know, Tolkien was very, very against the idea of Lewis combining all these separate mythologies into one universe. And they, you know, there's a recorded argument between them where Tolkien's just being like, oh, you can't you can't have these things coexisting. Like, it doesn't work. Like, they, you know, they conflict and et cetera, et cetera. And Lewis is just like, well, it exists in my head. <laughs> and Tolkien is just like, well, it can't ever in mine. And like, this very thing that paints Tolkien is like a very kind of single-minded type of guy Mm.
0: it was like interesting
1: it was like nope you can't blend the things it's not how it's done which i think is really interesting for i gotta say the word interesting so much i need to come up with another word which i think is
0: intellectually (laughs) stimulating yeah
1: intellectually stimulating uh intriguing given that tolkien is usually seen as like the father of modern fantasy yeah. Like, he basically created the genre, and he's the guy saying, no, these are rules you have to follow. Um, but all that being said, I've always thought it was interesting. I've always thought there was something of
0: note,
1: uh, of note there uh, that Lewis doesn't get into, like, your traditional fantasy, you know, triumph for it, if you will of the three races where you have your humans and your dwarves and your elves mm-hmm. and like humans are a thing and dwarves are a thing elves are never a thing and like of all the things he chooses to incorporate into the books and the mythology elves don't exist and as
0: far as we know thus far
1: uh-huh. and obviously i don't know if they show up in later books i doubt they do you can spoil that right now if they do because i'm about to go on a thing
0: i don't remember okay
1: uh readers if you see an elf anywhere in the books please let us know
0: Just let Chris know. I don't want to know about it. (laughs) Yeah, this is
1: this is super important. But no, I thinking about it, I would say, pure speculation. The reason for that is that in a lot of mythology, elves are depicted as somehow more pure than humans are, and like more elegant and more you know inherently good. And more inherently, like, powerful and, like, they have a deeper connection to nature and all these things than humans do.
0: Interesting.
1: And so I feel like Lewis admits them because he doesn't want anything to stand above humanity in this world. And be considered better at the core than humans could be. I
0: would absolutely agree with you on that. Uh In the way, like, just in the way that he portrays everything in the world. Uh Uh-huh. From Mr. and Mrs. Beaver fawning over the children to... Mm -hmm. you know the way tumness reacts to lucy and ever, yeah Mm. are you some hairless dwarf
1: (laughs) yeah so like despite this being you know narnia specifically being a land of like the talking animals and like the beast rule and whatnot like there's a special place where there are thrones set aside for humans to come in because humans are the pinnacle of creation or whatever
0: yeah but then there's also humans that don't live in Narnia, specifically in the land of Narnia, but in mm-hmm. the same world, the same Discworld. Mm-hmm. And these humans are always in some kind of conflict with Narnia other than the Arkenlanders. They're the only ones that have, like, a good peace with Narnia. And it's like, y'all are over there. We're over here, and we're done with it. Mm-hmm. Like, Kalermene's in conflict. Telmarine's apparently in conflict. And so we have... Once more, like humans as villains, mm-hmm. even though humans are also like the ones prophesied about. Yeah. The ones who see these celestial occurrences and all of this stuff. Like the centaurs are prophesying about h- human children in, in Arcanland. Like there's a centaur from Narnia prophesying about Arkanlander children. Like this is
1: just that important
0: yeah humans
1: yeah uh anyway so all that aside we have this moment where cornelius reveals that he is no man at all yes and there's this revelation well, half. yeah there's a revelation that he is actually a half dwarf and he's one of the old narnians and this is how he knows all these things and you know he has come to compel caspian to be a better king because someday he'll take the throne and he has a chance to reverse all of this i
0: mm-hmm. don't know if i would use the word compel but i would say that he definitely wants to nurture in caspian an affinity for the old Narnian ways in order to create an ally for old narnia within the royalty absolutely
1: mm-hmm. huh. Um. yeah so that happens Reveal that he's a dwarf, half dwarf.
0: And no. Caspian's first thought was he's brought me up here to kill me, and his second thought was
1: Oh hooray huzzah a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Yep. Oh hooray huzzah a dwarf.
1: Yeah. Um and yeah, there's the like uh not compelling, but this kind of I'm not thinking of the word that I want to use, but this pleading with uh Cornelius Talking to Caspian, just being like, "These are why your ancestors were all jerks,"
0: well, and all the yeah, things he's they kind did of wrong. Charging him with this.
1: Charging—that's a good word. That's a word I should have used.
0: Is it interesting?
1: Yes, you know, giving Caspian this commission to go forth and be a better king and be a better ruler, and you know, maybe there's more of my people out there. Who knows? This guy has no idea he's like maybe sometimes i think i see fawns off in the distance at night and, and maybe you know, i
0: hear dwarven drums
1: yeah something like that but i can't tell you for sure whether or not any of these things still exist but if they do we can have a chance to undo some of the damage that's been done uh and then they have a little chat about the the black yes where you know
0: the black forest no, black. I hear that the cherry and the chocolates really good.
1: <laughs> well, it says Blackwoods in the yes, chapter. Yes, I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was talking just talking
0: double- about the German. I know.
1: I was just <laughs> double checking. Maybe I got it wrong.
0: No, you had it right.
1: Okay. Anyway, so you know the the dwarf mentions Caraparavel, and Caspian's just like, "Where's that? Is that in the Blackwoods? Uh, that's there's ghosts there." I don't know why he's an old man in my uh, my head cannon. <laughs> this is the voice Caspian has.
0: Yeah. There's g- g-
1: ghosts. Uh-huh. And Cornelius is just like, no, it's all hogwash. Like, that's stories that the kings have made up because they're afraid of the ocean and they want to keep the people as far away from the ocean as possible. Which, let's pause there. And, <laughs> like, irrational as that fear may be, there is this, you know, obviously there's been the succession of kings. It's been a thousand or so years since the Pevenseys were in Narnia. And they've been all, you know, it got invaded by the Telmarines. They drove out or killed all the native Narnians. You know, there's been this line of kings going back hundreds of years. they built castles. They've destroyed Care Paravel. All this kind of stuff. Where's Aslan in all of this stuff? Yeah. Like, Aslan seems to show up in times of Narnian need. He's just gone. Yep. For Imagine centuries. how
0: a thousand years of old Narnians felt.
1: Yeah. Where they're just like, Hey, Aslan, it'd be a great time for you to show up and help us out. Nope. He ain't showing up. Nope. And also, like, you know, the Telmarines have this weird idea that if Aslan's showing up, he can only come via the ocean.
0: So we have to Which, cut people <laughs> off from the ocean. Apparently. Which, I mean, if you're talking about a deity that's power is proportional to its believers and following, uh-huh. it's a fair way to cut people off from their deity is to make it an inaccessible thing. Yeah. An other that's far away.
1: Yeah. Uh, and so it comes to be that the kings have let their woods grow up around the ocean. There's no access to the coast. You know, it's haunted. It's trying to steer people away just in case somebody finds out Aslan is a thing, which uh, Miraz very much doesn't want to happen. But.
0: Which is Miraz personally not wanting this to happen, or is it just that he has grown up in fear of a a mounting insurrection from the old Narnians coming to overthrow the human kingdom and that this is just where all of his fear is based and it's not that he is like don't you personally come back Aslan because I've got a problem with you Uh don't you personally Caspian go search for Aslan but he is very much like my power structure is dependent on people not knowing about any of this old history
1: yeah uh and so that's that's kind of my question is like where where is aslan in all this is there a reason he's absent like maybe we'll find out in this book but because i know he has to show up it's a narnia book aslan shows up at some point
0: well we wrap up the chapter there with um Cornelius promising Caspian to teach him more about the old Narnians, but only here in this tower. Yep. Outside of this tower, we will do normal lessons.
1: Correct. Also, question: Where is Arkenland? Where was Arkanland?
0: I know, right? weren't they allies? Why yeah. didn't they come to rescue the Narnians and come to their defense? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Uh huh. Come on, Core. <laughs>
1: It just seems like Narnia gets completely railroaded here. We have
0: all of this history of Kor and Corin and all of their children and how great they are. Just briefly in one paragraph in the last book. And like, they're not here. Uh-huh. Did their kingdom not sustain past all of this time? Did they go to war on behalf of the Narnians and get defeated by the Telmarines?
1: Maybe the Telmarines control our Man Cornelius too?
0: have brought that up?
1: I don't know. A lot of questions well, that this poses. Anyway. We can we can get into some of that in the baseless speculation segment of the show. All right. Um, anything you wanted to add before we jump into other sections here?
0: No, I think we got all of my, like, rant points. Cool.
1: Glad. You want to jump into uh, Narnia Chopped and Screwed? Sure thing. All right. It's
0: been a minute. Hashtag Narnia <sighs> Chopped and Screwed. Yeah. This is a section of the podcast in which we rewrite the chapters. We take sentences from the chapter and tell a new story with the words of this chapter. So, I told my um, summary first. So, why don't you go ahead and do your rewrite first, Chris?
1: All right. Uh, I'm actually pretty happy with this one. Um, kind of, well, you'll just see, I guess. Or or you'll hear.
0: <laughs> what about our deaf listeners, Chris? <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've already offended the dwarves. Um <laughs> the Huna? I'm just going to go ahead and do my re- uh, rewrite now. Here we go. So, you guessed it right at the end, said Dr. Cornelius. I am one of those, only a half dwarf, and if any of my kindred, the true dwarves, be still alive anywhere in the world, doubtless they would despise me and call me a traitor. There was a deep silence between them for a few minutes. Sometimes I have thought I heard a dwarf drum in the mountains. It wasn't my fault, you know.
0: Wow. Well. <sighs> well, yeah. All right.
1: So, it was my reimagining as, uh, you know, reimagining of Cornelius as the last surviving dwarf in Naria. Oh, uh, yeah. And maybe giving him a more mysterious past. I like it. Thank you.
0: All right, here I go. Go for it. It was long and steep, but when they came out on the roof of the tower and Caspian had got his breath, he felt that it had been well worth it. Am I? Repeated the doctor in a deeper voice at the same moment throwing back his hood so that Caspian could see his face clearly in the moonlight. He's not a real man, not a man at all. He's a dwarf, and he's brought me up here to kill me. So you've guessed it in the end, said Dr. Cornelius. You have seen what no man now alive has seen, nor will see again.
1: Ooh, okay, okay. You also reimagined Cornelius as like a darker figure. Yes. Okay, you I, you might have done it better than me. That was good.
0: Mm. It was, real, I was I was really actually solid. really happy yeah. with this one.
1: We both have the same idea about Cornelius, though, which is interesting.
0: Yes, so now we should get into our baseless speculation about Cornelius. Uh,
1: yes, which is where most of my baseless speculation was centered around. Um, so there's this moment in the chat. Sorry, we should introduce this segment. So this is baseless speculation. Uh, this has replaced our old segment. Um, if you, any of you are returning listeners, where I used to go through the chapter and laboriously review it like some sort of snobby food critic, because that's my dream job and what I really want to be. Um. But I figured it was a lot of uh, repeating myself uh, and, you know, kind of useless to the overall flow of the show. So we replaced that with a new segment, which is equally as fun for me, uh, called Baseless Speculation, where I just go and, you know, use whatever we're presented with in the chapter as a jumping off point for, you know, where the story obviously isn't going to go.
0: Well, as someone who's never read the chapter, you are um, just drawing... Potentially you know I mean? a better story, but you know, like you're drawing conclusions and speculating over what could happen future wise.
1: Correct. Um, and there's this moment here where, you know, it's revealed that Dr. Cornelius is a half dwarf and he's talking about the old Narnians and just being like, you know, I don't know if any of them are still alive. If there were any other dwarves, they'd call me a traitor, et cetera, et cetera. He is lying through his teeth this entire time. Oh, you think like, so? He is, you
0: think he's just here to groom Caspian? Absolutely.
1: Like, he is, you know, not necessarily the leader of the resistance in the old Narnians, but he is definitely up there. Mm. And he's worked himself into the castle, and he is here to, you know, groom Caspian and make him more sympathetic to the plight of the Narnians. So at when the time comes, they have somebody on the inside. This is basically, you know, this is a coup. Like, they're planning a coup. Okay. And that's Cornelius' whole deal. Like there's a resistance cell, like don't know who who he's working with, but there's a thing here.
0: When we talk about governmental plots to overthrow kingdoms in Narnia, I always feel like we just like had an FBI agent like pop up and start listening in. <laughs> No, this is about overthrowing the government. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> Hello, FBI. Uh-huh. We're talking about Narnia.
1: <laughs> no. They're trying to get him to usurp the throne <laughs> and depose the king of Narnia.
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: If you're out there and you're listening, you know who you are. Um, <laughs>
0: anyway... <laughs> Anyway, that's my baseless speculation, is that we have an actual, like, half of our listeners are actually just in the FBI.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ways so if you're we... an
0: FBI listener, go ahead and... <laughs>
1: Hello! Follow us on social media. You know, <laughs> we got nothing to hide. Um, No, it, it's, it's kind of hard here, because, like, I want to get into the speculation um, that doesn't draw from other universes and other uh, storylines, which I did the first couple of chapters, which is fun. But I really wanted, you know make it a more realistic thing and stick within the confines of the book but it's really hard to do as somebody who has not read the books and is limited by the fact that this is you know a thousand years after lying the witch in the wardrobe and everybody else is dead
0: so you like, don't think that dr cornelius is actually a descendant of Tumnus who's wearing these long robes to cover his <sighs> goat legs
1: I mean, it's entirely possible. Like, I don't see Tumnus as being, it's like... is
0: Tumnus and Lassaralene's great, great, great grandson.
1: I think Tumnus was much too... He was much too focused to have time for love. Uh-huh. Like, he probably never had any descendants. Like, he was way too embroiled in the depths of his power structure to, like, bother with silly things like romance. Um, so, I'm not saying Tumnus has any ancestors at all. Now... Has Tumnus discovered some kind of dark ritual that keeps him immortal? Entirely possible. Okay. okay. Um, but, you know, that's for next chapter. <laughs> but, uh, completely believing that Ellis isn't being entirely honest here. Interesting. Like, he's, he's got something up his sleeve. Like, he's hiding he's something...
0: He's also talking to a child. Yeah,
1: he's got something in that big coat. And, uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's basically all I add. Oh. Just, uh... There is a grain of truth in my rewrite where I do feel like there's something more to him than what he's letting on.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And he's definitely here to completely change the world uh-huh. as everyone knows it. Yeah. And Caspian is a key part of that.
1: Oh, but wait. No, no, I had one more thing. What does it mean that Pernum um what's her
0: name? Prunaprismia. Prunaprismia, yeah. Prismia. Prismia. Yeah. Prismia.
1: The only thing we know about her is that she's a redhead.
0: Yep, that's all we know. What
1: what is what is this saying here? It's like is there something about redheads that we're supposed to like be aware of? Like,
0: it's clearly indicating that she's white.
1: Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: And that she's uh, Celtic. Is I don't there,
1: know. Is there a line of redheads that were like well known in Archenland, and like this is kind of how the Telmarine sees power? Like they conquered Narnia, but they married into the Archenland royalty.
0: Was one of the. Narnian, one of the Pevensey children, redhead? I don't Nothing think any of them says, were described so I don't that think way. So. Yeah. Steve referenced one of them as being a redhead, but I don't think that it was actually in the text.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But maybe there's some, you know.
0: Genetic diversity. I don't know. <laughs> was Frank a redhead?
1: She's certainly not a Calarmine. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh,. Cool. That's all I had.
0: Okay. She's got genetic diversity and has got recessive, dreams. recessive <laughs> genes,
1: recessive genes. Or genes. Yeah. That's all. All right.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I didn't have a whole lot other than like talking about Dr. cornelius So. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. Anyway. Overall, solid else? chapter. Yeah, for sure.
1: Like it does. I totally agree with you. Really good storytelling. Wish the rest of the book turned out this way. It won't. I'm not going to be too optimistic here. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) I mean...
0: My baseless speculation is that this chapter is going to be the the torchbearer for this book to follow.
1: uh Uh-huh. Except (laughs) nobody that I've talked to about these books since starting this podcast has said this book is their favorite one, so I'm assuming the rest of it's not impressive.
0: Okay. (laughs) Whatever you say.
1: Nobody says Prince Caspian's, like, number one.
0: All right. Talk to more people.
1: Okay. Sure.
0: Anyway... So if there's nothing else, I'm going to go ahead and take us out. Go for it. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today as we discussed Chapter 4 of Prince Caspian, The Dwarf Tells of Prince Caspian. Next week, we will be discussing Chapter 5, Caspian's Adventure in the Mountains. So we'll be continuing the story of Caspian, I assume, and maybe Caspian the Conqueror and not actually Caspian the Tenth. We'll see. Um, join us next week to have the mystery uncovered. Um, in the meantime, you can speculate with us or, you know, just give us your FBI feedback at <laughs> Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or at Chronically Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com your fan art of the... Uh, what is it? It's not a collision of two stars. It was a... No, was it called? Handshake. No, what was it called? I don't know. No, I have to look it up. Yes, this you is do. more effort than I want to put in. <sighs> of the the noble planets, they're not even stars. There are other planets.
1: Conjunction. Yes. Okay.
0: Or send us your fan art <laughs> of the uh, conjunction of the noble planets, Tarva and Alambil, and uh, you can do that at that email. Or, you know, publicly on Twitter or something, if that's your jam. Or Instagram, since I've been told that that's where you put pictures.
1: Yeah, the kids these days.
0: Yeah, that's they're what they all do. doing the TikToks, and we're not on the TikTok yet. Also, if you feel like sending <sighs> us money and getting, uh, at to this point, nothing in return, but Chris has plans, uh, <clears> you can do so at <laughs> patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast. Thanks. Uh, never mock a man, save when he is stronger than you, then as you please.
1: And never use your sword to cut loose your dwarf. Bye. Can you just do a short little intro like this is chronically Narnia?
0: (sighs) Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia. Wait,
1: hang... I thought that we were doing an episode of Wine and Dine, our modern dating advice podcast.
0: No. Oh. You just told me you finished reading the chapter. What chapter were you reading about modern whining and dining? Also, why do you need to know about whining and dining? You have whined and dined your last.
1: I was just reading through old screenshots on OkCupid. <laughs> Um sorry, let me get my other notes. Prinabrirosia, um what's her name? Prunaprismia. Prunaprismia, yeah. Prismia Prismia. Yeah.
0: Prismia.
1: Red hair and was called and was called Queen Prunaprismia.
0: This is why I was trying to practice these names <laughs> earlier.
1: Do you have any other pronunciation questions?
0: Um, <laughs> the book, the grammar book that he's supposed to read is We're, the, we're
1: not even going to worry about that.
0: Sicus. I've, I've, I've got
1: a plan. We'll... You mean, pulverentalus Sicus in his fourth page of the grammatical garden or the arbor of accident's pleasantry open to the tender wits? Yes, that one. Okay.
0: No, I thought I'd take the shortened title.
1: Man, I thought I was gonna need like three takes for that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm so impressed.
1: Got it in one. Um. Anyway, yeah, I think. How many
0: times did you practice that?
1: Like once. Oh, okay. Um Is that the correct term now? Is that what we?
0: Well, a dwarf is a dwarf in Narnia, well. so I really don't feel like we should be talking about what the political. Do you, have you been to Narnia?
1: <laughs> if not. Where was Arkenland?
0: I know, right? Black Sorry, on, this is why on. we
1: don't do it after dark. My brain is too tired Black to Black get all your jokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's an interesting thing to go into.
1: I've always found it interesting how...
0: I think that it's interesting that he... Interesting.
1: It was like, nope, you can't blend the things. It's not how it's done, which I think is really interesting. God, I say the word interesting so much. I need to come up with another word. But all that being said, I've always thought it was interesting.
0: Interesting. Is it interesting?
1: (laughs) Yes. Which is interesting. Interesting. Like, he's, he's got something up his sleeve.